11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, March 15, 2021. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Three Yakutat residents have tested positive for the coronavirus. All three took tests last week, according to a press release from the Yakutat Department of Public Safety. Both cases are related to travel, and neither of the people who tested positive are exhibiting symptoms. The new cases are the first reported in nearly a month in Yakutat. The Yakutat Community Health Center reported on Wednesday that around 52 percent of residents had received at least one COVID-19 vaccine dose. They anticipate around 70 percent of Yakutat will be fully vaccinated by the end of March. Wrangell is hoping to secure its share of more than $37 million of federal money available for COVID-19 testing and vaccines in Alaska. It's part of a statewide grant program to offer direct assistance to communities of every size. Wrangell Borough Manager Lisa Von Bargen explained her office doesn't have a fully fleshed out plan, but that the assembly should put in for it now as they're eligible for around $125,000. We will be working with community partners on this, obviously, since Search is the one that's been handling the vaccinations here in town. But uh, we have an opportunity to capture $125,000 to do this, and the deadline is the 15th. So we needed to get this in front of the assembly. The federal funds will be dispersed through the State Department of Health and Social Services. The money is apportioned based on population. For Sitka's mid-sized population, that translates to a possible grant of just under half a million dollars. Larger communities like Juneau can qualify for almost $1.7 million. While the exact details haven't been hammered out of how Wrangell might use its share of the funds, borough manager Von Bargen's staff and Wrangell's emergency officials have ideas for new or expanded COVID programs. Fire captain and EOC member Dorianne Spray says high-risk groups could be targeted. That could be our elders who maybe aren't making their way up to search. It could be people coming in, uh, visitors coming in at our harbors and don't have access to get to the airport. And Wrangell isn't the only community that would be served. The hamlet of Myers Chuck, about 50 miles south of Wrangell, has limited service for the handful of year-round residents. And we recognize there aren't very many out there, but if we can assist them in getting in, if there's any kind of delay for those guys to get into um, into search to get either uh, vaccinations or get tested or whatever it may be, um, we can assist them with that as well. The grant specifies that a tenth of the funds should be reserved for people who have trouble accessing medical care. Spray suggested that for Wrangell, that could translate into a mobile testing program to reach residents who have trouble getting themselves screened. Applications are expected to be processed by the end of the month. Petersburg's Borough Assembly heard testimony on Wednesday both for and against proposed legislation to transfer land from the Tongass National Forest to five new urban native corporations. Alaska natives in five southeast communities that were excluded from a land claims bill 50 years ago are now seeking support from their municipal governments. KFSK's Joe Vicknicki reports. The legislation has been introduced in past sessions of Congress and is expected to be reintroduced later this year. It proposes to grant 23,040 acres each to new urban native corporations in Petersburg, Wrangell, Haines, Tenakee, and Ketchikan, a total of just over 115,000 acres of land that's currently part of the Tongass National Forest. 
The campaign backing the bill is called Alaska Natives Without Land, and the five communities are sometimes called landless. They were not granted the right to form village or urban corporations in the 1971 Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act. Nicole Hollingstad is granddaughter of Petersburg Native civil rights leader Amy Hollingstad. She's also on the board of the regional corporation Sea Alaska, which backs the legislation. The corporation's owners would be the shareholders of Sea Alaska who enrolled in 1971 through the community of Petersburg. And there were originally 428 Petersburg shareholders. So this new corporation would be an independent, autonomous, for-profit company governed by a board of directors who are shareholders and elected by the corporation's shareholders. And it is this board that would set the vision and hire management to execute towards their vision. Hollingstead and others highlighted the jobs that a new corporation would create and the economic boost to the community. She noted the request is for return of a small fraction of the land once the realm of the indigenous people of the region. She asked the Petersburg Assembly for its support. This legislation will eventually pass, and the record will be captured for history. So where will the Petersburg Assembly stand on this issue? My hope is that Petersburg will stand for development, for opportunity, and for justice. Petersburg's assembly hasn't taken a stance on the proposal, but it did approve a letter to Senator Lisa Murkowski last November asking for more time to understand the impacts. That letter also questioned whether the public would have continued access to the land. Past versions of the bill have specified that access continues for non-commercial hunting and fishing and other recreational use. However, restrictions would be allowed for protecting cultural resources, environmental protections, or minimizing conflict between recreational and commercial uses. That's a repeated point of concern for people opposed to the privatization of this national forest land. Here's Petersburg resident Becky Knight. Please explain how that terminology is not subject to interpretation by current and future beneficiaries of this legislation. In this case, verbal assurances are not consistent with the language, which clearly could be interpreted to prohibit access. Knight called for field hearings on the bill after the pandemic so Southeast Alaskans could weigh in to the congressional delegation before the legislation advances. Opponents of the bill questioned the value of roads and existing logging infrastructure that would be transferred. The version considered last year also would have transferred two U.S. Forest Service recreation cabins in Portage Bay near Petersburg, but supporters say the intent is to leave those out from a new version of the bill. The campaign to pass the bill says the lands would be used for economic development that would benefit shareholders from tourism to carbon credits. And supporters say the logging done on native corporation land elsewhere in southeast would not be repeated. Local resident Will Ware addressed two narratives he's heard from opponents. This is not a logging bill. This community of eligible clinkets have no interest in logging, nor is there a market to do so. Some have asked, why not put it in this bill? Because it would make this a logging bill and indeed open up Pandora's box even more so than it already is. Number two, public access is the law of the land for this specific legislation. No one will be denied access to these lands. Reasonable restrictions are just that, for reasonable reasons, i.e. construction, emergencies, or dangers to life. 
The proposed land selections were made by natives from the five communities who've been seeking this compensation for decades. Petersburg's assembly is also taking comment by email, and the past legislation and maps have been posted on the borough's website. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. Alaska's Department of Fish and Game is raffling off permits for some of the most sought-after hunts in the state. As Claire Strempel reports for Alaska's Energy Desk, officials hope to make up for a decrease in hunting license sales during the pandemic. Tickets are already on sale for what's called Alaska's Super 7 Big Game Raffle. If it sounds kind of like buying a lottery ticket for a muskox, it is. Or another one of the seven most sought-after species in the state, like a brown bear or a caribou. Tony Cavalock with Fish and Game's Division of Wildlife Conservation hopes raffling off special hunts will help make up for COVID-19-related budget shortfalls. We saw um, close to $2 million revenue loss in the wildlife division this last year because of COVID, primarily because of the significant or steep decline in non-resident license sales this last year. Cavalock says COVID-19 travel restrictions and the closure of the spring brown bear hunt meant non-resident hunting license sales were way down this year. He says another reason the division wants to raise money is to be able to match some federal dollars. States get cash from attacks on firearms and ammunition sales, and firearms and ammunition sales are trending way up. But states only get the money if they can match $1 for every three federal dollars. So it's a very important situation right now because with license revenue flat or declining, and our, our federal dollars, our federal match dollars going up. It's going to be really important to have that additional funding. The raffle is the first of its kind in Alaska, but other states like Arizona and Wyoming have similar systems. In Wyoming, the raffle raised more than a million dollars this year. The Alaska raffle is open to residents and non-residents. Avid sportsmen like Lewis Cusack say these are once-in-a-lifetime hunts. If you're really looking for a really, really nice animal for that species, these areas are the premium areas in the state that have them. Cusack lives in Chugiak and says he started hunting when he was in diapers. He says wild game is his primary food source. He's also the executive director of the Alaska chapter of Safari Club International. It's one of the nonprofits that's partnered with the state to run the raffle. It donated a tag and will sell tickets. Most of the money goes back to Fish and Game, but Safari Club International can spend 30% on a conservation project of its choice. For most of these hunts, only a tiny percentage of the hunters who usually put in for a tag gets one. And those tags often show up on auction for big money. But a raffle ticket is only 20 bucks, and that's important to QSAC. You don't have to own a Learjet. You don't have to be able to afford to spend thousands of dollars. Raffle tickets are on sale through mid-April. Winners will be announced May 1st. Hunters age 10 and older are eligible. For Alaska's Energy Desk, I'm Claire Strempel. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.